Nelson Mandela had so much compassion for his brothers and sisters. People don't realize it's about the Beatles, but they knew they were brilliant. One story in every human being that defines who you are. Do we film on a volcano that's just about to explode? But the reason this mail pack has been astoundingly successful is because there are pictures of rabbits on the envelope. I mean, I think there's something about chaos, right? It either, either you run from it or you run towards it. And for me, there was really this in instance of wanting to run towards it. So our guest today on Great Minds is Colin Gottlieb. And Colin is now the chief growth officer of Lad Bible, and we're going to talk about that. But he is a genuine living legend uh, in the media space. His reputation is worldwide. He made most of his bones in the UK and EMEA. Um, and Colin, I'd love to go back in time and go back to December of 79 and a, comp a company called Time Buying Services. <laughs> wow, yes. What do you remember from that time? What TBS did was to give me a absolute education uh, on uh, the advertising industry uh, in a way that I'd never seen, certainly not from uh, being at home. Because... I think it was within um, a year and a half of me joining. We were in South Mountain Street, and uh, as I said, and there was a big row. One afternoon, late one afternoon, there was a big row upstairs. And I could hear a lot of like uh, bashing tables and various row going on. And uh, my boss and his uh, associate, uh, Bob and Martin, uh, Bob Blatchery was my boss, stormed out might love day uh god rest his soul um came down and immediately gave me a pay rise and i i was like uh well, you know what's going on here and he said well bob and martin have left they had left to set up their own uh, i think usual conversation they wanted a piece of the action mike said no they left um but i had already within a year and a half had already sort of created a relationship with one of the biggest clients uh, a retailer. They spent one and a half million pounds on radio. And um, that was my, you know, I think I wasn't, I'm not sure if I was even just turned 21. Um, that, that was, again, a sort of, hold on, I've got this client. The client likes me. My boss likes me. Right. Not bad. <laughs> there you go. That's the business. Um, and what had happened with this uh, particular client was uh, I also get uh, got to drive uh, uh, my boss's um, fancy Range Rover because I was the only one that was allowed to go down there, uh, present all of the media invoices, and the owner of this big furniture retail company would take me into the accounts department and cut a check, and I would drive back with the check. And this was um, you know, back in the day. I mean, I would go and record, uh, help write and record the radio commercials at Capital Radio, walk down the street, plan and buy the radio. Um, and uh, yeah, so by the age of 22, uh, I was uh, deep, deep in it and loved it. Absolutely loved it. So yeah, that was sort of a few years uh, at TBS. Um, and then, um, yeah, that was the introduction. Your dad had creative roots. This put you in the media side. Did 
it sort of it's almost seems like it came naturally to you. Yeah, yeah because for me, it was still uh, a very creative process. But I love negotiating. Uh, I love creating solutions. So uh, what was happening a bit like uh, the, the retail client was Vogue Interiors. And Peter Bowles was a wonderful chap. And uh, yeah, he was this young kid. And he would tell me what he wanted to advertise. There was a jingle already, um, you know, they had, they, they had a jingle. And I just had to write the scripts. Um, and I didn't, found it, didn't find it particularly difficult. I mean, hey, I was a you know, <laughs> furniture retailer. But it was exciting. It was very um, uh, uh, enjoyable because you got to create something. Uh, which your client liked. And I think that that sort of relationship of, you know, taking uh, a problem and and turning it into something that somebody says, well done. I mean, maybe we're all closet actors and actresses that need, um, you know, sort of clients going, you know, you, you know, well done, job well done. But that's always what's, you know, that's what's driven me. So, um, yeah, I, I found it... Uh, a fairly easy thing. I found media quite interesting in terms of radio audiences and then press. And then I was dabbling in television, especially the sort of those days, the old preemption market that you had a written uh, sheet of paper and you have to get the eraser out when the spot had been preempted. This for me was, um, yeah, it was a fascinating combination of art and science. Which was, you know, the you know, his media. So when you look back in sort of not just the UK history and the EMEA history, but the global history of our industry, there are certain names that we'll all always remember. You know, in the States there are some legendary creative shops like Dancer Fitzgerald, you know, names that were incredible, of course, all tied to actual people. Uh who over time have disappeared. One of those legendary names is Manning Gottlieb. And that, you know, little drink in Covered Garden started what I think was about a 30-year run that was incredible. I guess about a third of it independent and two-thirds of it as part of Omnicom. Go back a little bit. Let's dig a little deeper on that, you know, that partnership with Nick. And Mm -hmm. what were the assets and you know, both the human pieces and the business pieces that made that, you know, the equivalent media of Lennon and McCartney? <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, you're going to get me. Um, I'm going to start to, you know, uh, tear up. I'm glad this is a podcast because you can't see. Um, so the two of us are, are very, very different. And like any partnership, um, uh, Nick compensated for my weaknesses, and I um, I added uh, I added to Nick, and uh, to this day, he is a close buddy, um, and his wife Sarah, with my wife Stephanie, we're we're still very very close, and I would not have it any other way. I would not have it any other way. There was something that happened, which obviously is it's inappropriate for me to talk about. But when Omnicom asked me to move from Manning Gottlieb Media uh, into uh, to be CEO of OMD Europe, um, there was something that happened, which I said, it has to happen to Nick as well. 
um, and and fair play to Omnicom, they agreed. Um, and for me, my friendship with Nick um, to try and explain, um, I mean, <laughs> I could, I'll give you one uh, crazy, crazy moment. Um, I mean, there are so many. So um, I'm not sure whether Nick would like to um, uh, 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 me to remind uh, others of this. So on the day that we were going to quit, we did quit, um, and and we we, we kind of sort of said, right, let's now um, sort of uh, move through. Just before that day, though, um, my boss, my line boss, had. Um, you know those other two people that I was talking about? They had already they had already quit. So my line boss had come to me, and, and we were running parallel. We we weren't in cahoots with them. Um, um, uh, two wonderful ladies called Sue and Kirsten. They had decided uh, that they were going to set up their own consultancy. They didn't know what Nick and I were up to. Um, anyway, they they decided to quit. And my boss came to me and said, right, here's a contract. We want to make you head of non-broadcast and planning for CIA, um, uh, I think it was CIA billet. Um, and, you know, here's your contract. And I remember saying to Nick, like, like shit, um, we've got three weeks to go before, you know, you know, campaign, have a story. Everything's lined up. Lawyers, everything's done. Um, I've now got this contract. So um, I'm talking through uh, this with Nick and I'm sort of talking and talking and talking, which I always normally do. And he's just listening. And he says, so what are you going to do about it? I said, I've got to try and find a way of stalling Ian. So Ian wants to negotiate the salary, which is perfect. I think had he said, here's the contract, here's a, here's a big chunk of money or whatever, um, I would have been in a, you know, he wouldn't realize, but I would have been cornered uh, into going much earlier than we had had wanted. Kept it, um, kept it going. But about a week before we were going to quit, uh, like the, the day that we chose, there was a board meeting. And to my horror, um, uh, Nick is sitting across me at this board meeting, board lunch. Uh, and there's John Billet, uh, there's Ian, there's everyone. Um, Chris is not there, it's an operational board. And Ian just pipes up. He said, I'm going to announce today, um, congratulations to Colin. Uh, he will be our new head of non-broadcast and planning for the entire agency. And it's like, wh like what? <laughs> I'm thinking, what? I've not agreed anything. We're still kind of, quote unquote, haggling. Um, and now I'm looking, remember, Matt, I'm looking at my partner, and, you know, my partner, I was going to say in crime, but my partner, I'm looking at him and he's looking at me like, hello. <laughs> it's like, and I'm thinking, Nick, you're a senior guy. Object. Object. It doesn't matter. We're leaving. I don't, you know, say whatever you want. Say you think I'm a complete and utter lunatic and that being head of non-broadcast and planning is the worst thing for the agency. You've got to block it, right? I'm looking at him and like, I'm trying to like, and he's just like listening to Ian say this and he's not connecting the dots because guess what? Ian then says, 
he's going to announce it in campaign. Campaign already have the story that Manning Gottlieb Media is going to set up. And now campaign are going to go, if they find out, there's a much bigger story. I mean, you know, <laughs> utter, you know, like, yeah, utter chaos. So um, for this particular moment, I'm looking at, uh, um, at, at Nick, and he is oblivious of this, even when Ian says it's going to be in campaign. I write down on a napkin. I mean, there's a big plate of sandwiches. Picture this. There's a big, I'm, I'm, I'm like getting desperate, like campaign are going to go nuts. And they're going to go nuts. You know, two press releases about me and I'm not going to come out of it very well. CIA won't, the Manningovi media could have been a very short, short run thing. So I get these plate of sandwiches, but I've written on a napkin for Nick, like a, a note, which was along the lines of, you have got to object to this. Stop it. Stop, you know, stop Ian. Say you need to review because you're a different department, your television, um, your broadcast. Stop it. You know, like make sure it at this board. I pick up the plate of sandwich. I can't walk around to him and give him the note. I pick up the sandwiches after Ian has said, I'm going to get this promotion. And I start walking around the table offering sandwiches to people. And everyone's looking at me like, seriously? Seriously? You're now offering sandwiches to everyone? I get around the table uh, the long way and I get to Nick. And Nick looks at me and I'm like right in his face. And it's like, he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine for sandwiches. And I said, take one. Take a fucking sandwich. And he looked at me and he went, I have a cheese sandwich. And I gave him the napkin. And that's when the other side of Nick Manning happened is he waited for five or 10 minutes <laughs> and he just quietly sat there as only Nick could because he had a huge amount, still has, huge amount of authority and went... I object. I mean, Matt, it was like a, I mean, I'm like going, oh, thank heavens. But he said, I object. Um, I'm sure Colin has, you know, da, 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 but I think we need some time in the broadcast department to think it through. And, um, and poor old Ian, you know, was like, well, how long do you need? And Nick went, um, I'll I'll let you know, but you know, but he was like, you know, uh, like a you know, not to be argued with. But that sort of relationship, um, and there was another one, um, which again, hopefully helps to sort of um, talk about this very special relationship uh, that we had and still have, where um, we had now started MGM. And we had an offer from Cara, but it was TMD, um, it was TMD Cara uh, to buy into the firm. They had asked me to join before uh, when I was at CIA. Uh, so now that I'd split off, uh, they said, well, great, we'll buy a percentage of the company. But um, Simons Palmer also had a connection with Armando uh, Tester uh, in uh, Turin. And um, 
they wanted to buy in. Uh, funny enough, that's where I first met Maynardo because uh, he was connected with um, uh, Media Network, which was all connected with Tesla. Uh, I can't remember exactly how, but uh, that's when I think I first met when I uh, went to see them. And we're driving to this client meeting. And then on the way down on the M1, uh, I'm driving and I've got to give my car back to CIA. Uh, and I'm a bit of a petrol head and I had a really nice BMW, which um, really I was gutted about giving back. And I was in a bit of a pissy mood. And uh, it was brilliant because he just sat there quiet. We were stuck in traffic heading back to London. It was on a Friday. It's raining. Traffic, you know, it's going to be late. We're tired. Um, was this really a good idea type of mood? And um, I think somewhere just north of Luton, uh, for UK listeners, they'll know what I mean. Uh, but just sunny north of Luton in traffic, I just sit there and I go, we're going with Cara. And Nick, I just went, we're going with Cara. And Nick just went, fine, fine. And that's what happened. So uh, Manningotti Media had a 19% shareholder uh, uh, in the form of uh, TMD, well, TMD Holdings, uh, Cara. So, but the relationship with Nick and myself was when he drew the line on something, I knew, you know, that's it. You know, can go no further. So it was a, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful relationship, um, uh, which, uh, yeah, I know, blessed that uh, we're still very good friends. So let's divide sort of your, uh, you know, Manning Gottlieb tenure into, you know, two parts. So we've got sort of the pre-Omnicom era and then obviously the post. Looking back on that first 10 years, which was, I guess, started right around 1990 uh, to the turn of the century, what what do you remember fondly, particular risk that you and Nick took that paid off or perhaps one, Colin, that didn't go as well as you thought it might? Um I think for, I think for me, um, I think for a, a lot of people who, who uh, build agencies and build careers, it's clients. Uh, I said it, you know, back with the TBS with Vogue Interiors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about clients and the love of clients. And Simon's Palmer had introduced us to Nike, to PlayStation, to Virgin Atlantic. Uh, which then grew into a relationship with Virgin Group. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, uh, you become obsessed with your clients. I wouldn't fly with anyone else. <laughs> uh, we had a U.S. client called Helene Curtis. Sure. They had Solan, Solan Selectives uh, and, and Finesse. And Nick helped to uh, bag that. That was one of our first uh, accounts, most wonderful, wonderful um, uh, group of people with great budgets too, um, and you know you you buy every product. Um, you you know I remember once going down uh, the grocery aisle and uh, trying to convince someone to try salon selectives uh, like you just stepped out of salon, um, and 
you know, you build a relationship with clients and you build a relationship with their brands and you build a relationship which actually at times tips over into um, emotion. I mean, pure emotion. So when, when, when we worked on Nike, and I, I spent a lot of time on that, um, and we at first lost it, uh, and then we won it back, that was probably um, the worst moment and the best moment, well, there were lots. But I, I think for me, Nike defined a lot. Uh, and I still, you know, I've not worked on the business um, um, uh, since, wow, since we uh, we lost it as part of a pitch with OMD, which was, uh, oh, well, it was part of the reason I ended up running OMD Europe. Um, but uh, it, yeah, winning, winning, doing work for Nike, losing it, um, I remember writing a letter. Uh, I was so upset. I, I wrote a letter, which was a bit embarrassing, to uh, Nike because uh, it was a it was an American uh, connection. I mean, you know, we were um, we were employed locally uh, out of the UK, and you know, Oregon, uh, which perfectly understandable, had decided that um, I think it was NEC at the time. Which is now Wavemaker, and we 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 lost it after doing some most amazing work, and I thought it was so unfair. Uh, so I wrote, I put it all in a letter, um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a bit cathartic, but it was really really upsetting. And then uh, then we won it back, um, which was probably the the the, the best moment. Uh, but but winning the pitch to launch PlayStation uh, in '95, uh, around about that time, uh, seeing Virgin Group go from the airline into every other area of the business, um, it was a, a magical decade. And, and and what we what we had um, was again something which is um, I think still true today uh, that if you've got great clients. And you produce great work because you're passionate about them. You provide answers for them. You don't provide bullshit, um, you know, data this and data that. You provide answers to the clients and they trust you. Um, you can then attract really great talent. And that great talent <clears throat> helps to drive the business bigger and attract better clients and so on and so forth. It's a flywheel and the flywheel is magical and the flywheel works in, in reverse very fast. So um, no, that, that 10 year period uh, was, yeah, it was a defining moment. Um, and around 97, uh, we had a, um, we had an approach um, by both Omnicom uh, and then Aegis, as it was, who still had the 19% stake. Uh, they decided. I mean, uh, I can tell you now that Visium uh, would have been would have been Manning Gottlieb Media as a network <laughs> globally. Uh, that's what we were offered um, uh, to sell, uh, amongst other things. But for me, um, when Omnicom. Simon's Palmer had been sold, uh, acquired uh, by TBWA in London. 
and then Omnicom, um, there was a conversation. Um, and for me, Omnicom was just um, going back to my dad's days and everything that I loved about the business. I mean, you talk about legends, you know, sort of Bill Burback, George Lois, Phil Dusenbury, Lee Clow. Uh, I mean, I, you know, where, where, where does the list start and end? And um, yeah, just, uh, just magnificent. So for me, um, you know, I just kind of said to Nick uh, that in terms of being acquired, it, it has to be Omnicom. It has to be Omnicom. And um, we ended up doing a, a very successful deal. Um, and it was, uh, it was great. Um, yeah. Fantastic. So, Colin, you talked about Omnicom and some of the creative legends and the roots. I'm happen to be, you know, good pals with Keith Reinhardt, who I still speak to, who was at the table when Omnicom was formed with Alan uh, all those years ago, and, and certainly legends like Bill Burnback and later Lee Clow and others, all on the creative side of the house. You're on the media side of the house, and somewhere along the line there was that decision sort of industry-wide to separate the two between media and creative. And now as we jump ahead, you know, all these years later, all those walls are sort of, you know, crashing down like in Jericho, you know, centuries ago. What was your take on it then? And looking back now, did they have it right then? Did they have it wrong then? You know, if you could replay it, would you play it differently? Oh, crikey. Um, it's a great question. Um, uh, there's a line from a Clint Eastwood movie, Spaghetti Western, that um, I think it was Lee Van Cleef, whatever his name is, uh, said it. And he said, um, your answer, uh, your, your question is not indiscreet, but the answer could be. Um, <laughs> um, so I'll try and package this as best as I can, because all I say is it's all to do with money. Uh, and that's kind of where... It, it started to flow and uh, what happened, okay, so when an agency, and I'll try and keep it general, um, so when an agency is full service and is run in terms of absolute outstanding excellence in all departments, I think it's unbeatable. It's unbeatable. And this is more of an old model than it. You asked, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the period of the '90s, right, to address your question, um, and then the unbundling of media. And the reality to me was that that within the industry, whether it was the UK, whether it was France, whether it was the United States, actually, you could almost count the number of agencies that happened on one hand maybe two hands, to be generous. The reality was that a lot of agencies were dominated by creatives to the point where the whole agency was run um, for the benefit of creatives, um, where media was really just a, yeah, a function uh, and uh, other things. Um, and those agencies were the majority. So it wasn't particularly surprising that when, when Cara um, 
expanded um, when Cara Espace in France was bought by Aegis, which was, Aegis was originally a creative agency, like Collins Rutherford Scott. Um, and Peter, um, yeah, Peter Scott uh, turned WCRS PLC into Aegis. And the reason was because he was looking at other business models, I think, allegedly. Now, when Cara really got going, um, that to me, within the Western Hemisphere, um, created, I think, the, the, the movement by the big American agencies to finally go, hold on, what's happening here? Because Cara and Cara International uh, was a formidable um, organization. And, and could appeal to clients in terms of we focus on media. They had a very strong play in those days on research, understanding audiences, uh, understanding value. Um, and also clients were interested more and more in what was happening with the cost of advertising, the old school or the old guard uh, at ad agencies would would look upon uh even Manigotti media in those days as um you know sort of so but i think it was cara that that really detonated the change they exposed a lot of things for reasons it's probably inappropriate to go uh into now um uh that also got the sachi brothers uh, to look at media and you know who the finance director was in those days um and they created zenith and so zenith overnight in the uk um i remember it became fi a 500 million pound buying monster uh that all of the media shops together uh uh barely could equal and that includes chris Ingham associates could barely equal uh zenith and I think um, the, the consolidation of media was, guess what? It was to do with money. Clients would look at, so I can get savings, I can get leverage. Um, and that then accelerated. Um, but once I think Cara had gone international, uh, it, it was unstoppable for, I think for the big American uh, groups, it took some time to um, understand that uh, it, it was possible to create a media network that was both um, profitable uh, and well-run and produced outstanding work. Uh, it would be possible to create something that as a agency group, you would be proud of. And I think um, you know, credit has to go to Daryl uh, because Daryl um, had come from P&G who they know about, you know, they know everything there is to know really about media inside out. And um, he had to persevere with making that happen, but um, he did.
So just give us a couple reflections. Uh, I remember years ago when there was talk of the Omnicom publicist merger, and I had my own feeling knowing John a little bit and the, the publicist leadership a little bit. I said, I can't see, you know, these are two generals, and I can't see how one of the generals is going to want to take orders in the battlefield from another general. Uh, John has sat atop of an Omnicom machine for an incredibly long, successful run. What are your reflections on John as a leader? Um, oh, my God. Uh, that's a hell of a question. So uh, I'm... I'm I'm going to be biased uh, because he bought my company. He asked me to run Europe as a 40 year old who, you know, I kicked some ass, but I didn't do. Yeah. Before that time I had done international media. Um, he looked after me. He gave me some extremely good contracts and I worked my ass off to create um, a very, very successful network with the most wonderful group of people. Um, and I could not have done any of that. Whatever the motive, whatever, you know, business is business. I could not have done that without John Wren. End of story. So you have this incredible run uh, at your stage of life and the success you've enjoyed, most would ride off into the sunset. You, <laughs> you go another way, cowboy, and end up oh, and yeah. end up uh, <laughs> with a company that we know a little bit. We had uh, we've done some great stuff with Lad Bible <laughs> over the years, and uh, uh, an incredible company, incredible energy, and I can say this is someone who turns. Uh, 56 tomorrow, so just a tad younger than you. Um, you are got to be the oldest guy in the room by 20, 30 years in every meeting you're in. So tell us about your path to Lad Bible and, and what that's like, because that's got to be really energizing, I would think. Oh, damn, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So um, oh, this is, this is going to sound like a, you know, because um, I, I hate all the sort of, you know, next chapter stuff. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that. So I had reached a point, um, I think within Omnicom Media Group, where um, it was time, um, probably from their side and from my side. And, and I, I was not gonna do a global job. Um, uh, and the thing that, that got me and, and maybe I was right, maybe I was wrong, but I need to be, a client said to me, uh, uh, Renault, uh, I, I led the, uh, just saying this, um, um, yeah, the, the Renault Nissan pitch uh, in 2008, um, through a, you know, <laughs> as the world fell apart and we won it. Um, and the, the Renault client, a Renault client there, she said to me once, she went, um, Colin, your fingers are always full of oil. And she said that in, in that I love to be working on the engine, right? And in the early days of the creation of Omnicom Media Group, uh, well, OMD Europe, 
2006, 2005, 2006, um, Omnicom asked to roll out PhD uh, across EMEA. We built EMEA out, super sex, super successful uh, company. Name check Peter Polsbauer, who is my CFO in EMEA. Amazing, fantastic guy. Uh, and, you know, Nikki and a whole, a whole, bu a whole bunch of people helped make it happen. Um, but gradually, you put in place people you sort out the markets, you sort out the clients, you sort out the process. We, 2018 was a fantastic year. And you end up not managing clients. And me without clients um, is, I'm like, a, I'm like a German shepherd in a, in a, you know, in a cage. Um, and there were, there were three things that happened in 2018. Uh, which were, for me, pretty defining. Um, well, quite a few things, but there were three things that kind of stood out. Um, and they're each one slightly bizarre. So the first one, uh, not in any particular order, was we were having a meeting um, in, in, in my office with a major client. It was wonderful. It was great. There was a new boss in EMEA, and the day-to-day -day client um, who knew me wanted me in the room because it was his new boss, blah, blah, blah. And one of our uh, senior managers, fantastic lady, I mean, just super professional, great bunch of people. Um, she came in afterwards. So this is, this is number one. She came in afterwards and she said to me, um, Colin, I, I, I just want to apologize. And I went, um, I won't say her name. I said, what for? What for? I'm thinking, did I miss something? What, what for? Um, well, for asking you to join the meeting, because I know you're 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 very very busy. And I went, uh, uh, okay, no, 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 absolutely fine, not a problem. Um, it's my job. And I went home and I said to Stephanie, you know, this is you know, <laughs> this feels like something, you know. I, I've got somebody who I really respect uh, on my team apologizing because she's asked me to join a meeting with a client. I, I you know, I got to do something. I mean, as I as I'm as I am approaching a certain age, um, what am I going to do? I'm not going to start another agency, that's for sure, um, for lots of good reasons. So, um, but that was like number one. Number two, um, I had uh, I had a uh, went to Cannes that summer uh, and went to Campaign's fiftieth uh, lunch up in the hills. It was amazing, um, and I was sitting on the table uh, with my back to Lord Heseltine. Um, and now Lord Heseltine, as you'll probably know, Michael Heseltine uh, is a staunch uh, anti Brexit. Um, and this was 2018. Uh, Michael Roth was sitting next to um, uh, uh, Michael Hesseltine and hadn't turned up. I mean, I, I, know, I don't know, he's the boss of IPG, so quite sure something happened. Claire Beale comes up to me um, and says, Colin, can you go and sit in his chair and just kind of manage Lord Hesseltine? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just look after him, um, given that 
Lord Hester Tyne is the boss of Haymarket and the boss of Campaign. So I'm I'm sitting there. Anyway, long story short, Michael Hester Tyne, up close and personal. That is why he was a deputy prime minister. Uh, you know, incredible. But he said something to me, Matt, which was like a smack in the face. Um, and it hurt because what he said was the truth. And what he said to me was, uh, you know, he said, oh, um, you know, um, Colin Gottlieb, um, uh, tell me about yourself. You know, tell me about yourself. So I told him and very briefly spoke about my journey in Europe because I thought that he would be really kind of interested in that it was possible to create a family of countries which were incredibly difficult to beat, um, slightly beyond the borders of the EU. This includes Russia, this includes Dubai, this includes Nigeria. But you know, we were, a, you know, nobody liked to pitch against us. And uh, I thought he'd be really impressed uh, because it was at that moment in time, a very powerful, um, I thought, a very powerful proxy for everything that was kind of going wrong with Brexit. And you know, in that split second where you're looking at someone and you can see in their eyes, he's not interested one bit. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm obviously saying something wrong here. Um, but it was a, you know, it's fine. It's lunch and <laughs> he's Lord Hustle time. And he, do you know what he said to me? What? Well, you won't, I don't think you'll guess it. Okay. So he says to me this, he goes, um, something like this. He goes, so Colin, you're an entrepreneur. Why didn't you go again? That was it. And I nearly, I mean, honestly, could have just, I was, you know, like a balloon that had lost all of its air. Because what he had done in that split second, he had basically said to me that the 18 years, the 22 years since I'd sold to Omnicom is, um, why didn't you go again? You're an entrepreneur. And this guy is no fool. This guy in his early 80s is smarter than all of us asleep. You know, if he's asleep, all of us awake, I mean. I mean, just, he's a giant. And he had listened to my, you know, a profitable story about Europe and stuff. Um, and he just hit me with, why don't you go again? And he knew the reason. And I, I kind of also slightly objected because my experience and my time with Omnicom, um, if that's all I had done, again, I lived through the merger and I, you know, <laughs> the stuff I saw, the learn, um, incredible. But to him, that was his response. And it was like a, it was like a, it was like a, uh, a slash with a sword. Um, and I remember going back um, down to Cannes um, thinking, you know, what do I do? I mean, what do you do? Because how many more years? And I love the business. So the third thing that happened uh, was serendipity, I guess. So a mate of mine, uh, Jonathan Durden, and I have to thank Jonathan for this, was a um, consultant to Loud Bible, uh, Loud Bible Group, uh, to Solly Solomon, uh, who's the founder and CEO. 
And around about that time, um, it was just before, I think it was just before care. Um, I, I had a message uh, uh, from Jonathan going, look, Solly would like to meet you um, because Omnicom Media Group wasn't really spending with Lab Bible, um, Lab Bible Group. And, you know, you're the boss of EMEA. So, you know, as a favor, could you come for lunch with Solly? Because of my background and, you know, TBS and CIA and Nick and stuff, I was intrigued. Like, yeah, look, the young guy, um, he's created this thing uh, and he wants to have a lunch. And Jonathan is, a, you know, uh, obviously the founder of PhD. Uh, one of the founders, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make time, not a problem. And when I went to that lunch, and I'm not sure what I was kind of expecting, but yeah, lab Bible, you know, maybe there's a, a guy who's young and swaggers and I don't know. Um, no, what, what was in front of me and the three of us around a table was a very bright, calm, and very, very ambitious uh, young man who had a very clear view about what he wanted to do um, and why was Omnicom Media Group not spending? Uh, and he was very courteous. I mean, very um, you know, softly spoken. Uh, he he impressed me a lot. And I remember walking back to the office. Uh, I was in King's Cross at the time. And I, I felt, um, I don't know if it was jealousy. No, it's not jealousy. Uh, envious. It was envious. I was envious of that um, craziness of what you have when you're a founder of your own company. The intensity, the, 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 the passion. And it's not, I mean, listen, you run, you run a fantastic brand. You created that. You know what I'm talking about. It's not easy, um, and it never feels easy. Even when things are good, you're, you're paranoid about tomorrow. Um, and I and I put a lot of that into my job. Um, I, I never saw Omnicom as anything other than very personal, um, um, and that's kind of why it probably lasted so long. Is I I wasn't part of the Omnicom corporate. I was not going to bounce, you know, fly around the world and, and stuff. I, I had an obligation to John uh, and Omnicom to make Emea um, the best possible region um, in the business. Um, so, but there was something about sitting with Solly and listening and, and thinking about his future. And I, you know, I just walked back to the office thinking, God, you know, if, you know, uh, what a lucky young man. If I just fast forward, um, so in early 2019, um, uh, we agreed to, you know, move on. And uh, Solly had already booked in a dinner. So um, we're having a dinner. He's half uh, uh, he's half uh, Greek Cypriot. So we went to a fantastic place uh, in Primrose Hill and uh, Pneumonia. And uh, he's also a big Manchester City supporter, and I'm a Spurs supporter. So there was a semi-final in the Champions League. 
Um, and he said, look, buy you some dinner and uh, take, you know, let's go watch the game at the pub. And halfway through the dinner, um, and Sol is great. I mean, just the more I got to know about the company, I just, you know, and I'll fast forward uh, in a moment again. But halfway, well, I think halfway through the dinner, I said to him, uh, Solly, uh, you know, can I pay halves? <laughs> can I go halves? I didn't tell him why. I didn't want to tell him why, but I, I thought in about 10 days' time, campaign is going to come out with, you know, I stepped down from uh, Omnicom Media Group. And I, I just feel like a, you know, uh, a complete sort of shyster that even just, you know, taking, he's buying me dinner as Omnicom Media Group. He's not buying me dinner as Colin Goldie. So I'm starting to have an argument with him. Um, like, no, 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 no. And in the end, my wife, my wife thought I was nuts. Right. Um, but she, at that, at that time, she didn't know Solly. And I said, Solly, okay, we're going to go halves because I'm the, I'm, I'm stepping down. I guess you've had to have been there. Um, but I'm stepping down and I don't feel comfortable. You buy me dinner because I'm not going to be there. And Solly, um, right just went into this he's an amazing guy he just switched firstly he said no nah, i'm still buying dinner um but he said he just hit me with this barrage of questions like are you retiring I'm like shit am i retiring no you know um no way yeah when i get bored and i don't want to do this anymore i'll retire but until then nah, no nah, the business is crazy was before um, uh, and then the pandemic has shaken things up a bit, uh, to say the least. And um, uh, we then, he starts asking me a ton of questions and long story short, um, and very quickly it came into, um, Colin, would you, you know, would you like to join us? And I said to him, look, um, I can't be a non-executive director. Um, I, don't want, I don't want to be a director. I don't want to be a non-executive director in, in that um, I, I knowing me as an individual, you know, the fingers in oil and stuff, I'll be a really crap, I think I'd be a really crap non-executive director. I need to get involved. And he said, come back to me and tell me what you want to do. Um, and so I came back to him. I went on the internet and found that Will I Am was a strategic board advisor of some internet bank. And I thought, okay, if it's good enough for Will I Am, I'll, I'll, I'll take that title. We agreed. Then in January, he said, um, do you want to go front line? And it was like, yeah. And then, yeah, it's been, um, I've, I've learned more in the last 12 months. It, it, it is the most astonishing business. Yeah, I remember what Jonathan, who I love also, was consulting for them. And I didn't know that it was that, that was your point of entry. That's a great story. Yeah. We'll do, I want to do some more on Lad Bible uh, with you, but we'll do, we'll, do, we'll do a part two in a few months. But this was great. I, I hope it wasn't too painful for you. Definitely not. Uh, definitely not. All right, buddy. Go, go eat your cold supper. And uh, uh, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. And I'll, I'll stay in touch, Kyle. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you very much for listening. And for more content just like this, visit advertisingweek360.com. Production on this episode was by Jack Hirschman and Brendan Porter. And original music was by Ian Levy.